0: Last week, we talked about the importance of opening up our mouths and telling other people about how God has intervened and his love toward them in Jesus. Remember that? And I encourage you to open your mouth this week and attempt to talk to someone about Jesus. And if you did that, to tell me how that went, remember? and I was going to share some of the stories here, and if I didn't have anybody contact me and tell me any stories, I was going to preach the same sermon again, because if we're not doing the sermons, what's the point of moving on, right? But thankfully, during the week, some people contacted me, and I just want to share a couple of those stories uh, with you right now. Uh, One woman in our church had the opportunity to step out on faith and interact with one of her childhood friends and um, to engage her with the gospel. And and the woman wasn't very, she was Jewish, she was very uh, closed. But uh, this woman in our church didn't, I guess, stop trying to engage others. So later on, she engaged uh, her um, physical therapist in um, the gospel conversation as well. And that, that went a lot better. So when we have one door shutting This doesn't mean we never open our mouth again, just uh, move on to someone else. We had two people in our church also share in their faith with other people. And as they were engaged uh, in talking with a conversation with one, uh, that person was interested as well, and there was a follow-up conversation about Jesus. Uh, What what I'm getting at here is I'm not asking you... To uh, lead people to Christ. Uh, that, that's, that's what God's going to do in His work. but our, our kind of our role in this is to step out and to open our mouths and tell the good news of this Jesus that's changed our lives. And so as we proceed through this next week, and as you have other stories that come up, please come and tell me. I'd like to share them with you and build up the congregation. For today, we are going to have some fun, I think. Let's do this. All right, so some of you are happy that summer vacation is wrapping up. Some of you are sad, and I know some of you are finishing your traveling and all your vacationing. Over the last 17 years, my wife and I have... uh, taken the summers to visit the grandparents in Texas and Tennessee. Now, we've always lived far away from home. We've lived in California. Uh, now we live in Chicago. And so we, we make this attempt to go see both of the grandparents each year. And, it, and it's quite a task because we have a larger family and traveling uh, at times by plane, a lot of times driving, so it's really far. Uh, but this year, my wife and I had to have a different perspective because as my kids uh, get a little bit older and... We keep adding kids that are younger. Things are interesting. And so, uh, my, my, my oldest daughter went to Nepal. My oldest son stayed here and worked. And so, my wife and I were trying to figure out what we're going to do this summer. And so, we had this divide and conquer mentality. So, she took a batch of the kids and went to Texas. And, and I stayed back with the older. And then, when she came back, I, I took a batch of the kids. And went to Tennessee and she stayed back with the older and so it wasn't it's not like these are the plans we always have and sometimes they they don't they don't work so well and sometimes they work great and they're disjointed but as our kids start to age we're going to be flexible and what's what's funny about travel plans I don't think it's funny but I've, I've talked to a couple of you and and I hear that your travel plans this past summer didn't go as planned Has anybody ever experienced that before? You have plans for travel, and then you start to do travel, and it doesn't go like you planned, like, at all. Anybody with me? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, whoa, that's not what I planned at all. And so as I was thinking about travel plans this week, oddly enough, and I was trying to make this connection, and I thought, well, you know, travel plans and the adjustments we have to make is kind of like life, right? We make these grand plans and we have these goals and visions on the way we want life to turn out and it doesn't do that. Like, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not gonna do a poll here, but I'm just curious. Like, how many of you plan to be where you're at right now? Like, when you were young, you said, man, that, this is the way I'm gonna do it. And you did it and bam, you got the life you got right now. It's exactly the way you wanted it, right? No, it's not, most of you are like, no, not at all. My life's not at all like I planned it to be, right? So what, what tends to happen in life is that we have plans and we have visions, especially when we're young, right? We have visions and we have goals, but this is what's going to happen. I'm just going to tell you, I'll break it to you now, so if you're young, just get this. This is what's going to happen. No matter what your plan is, no matter what your vision is, no matter what your goal is, God has this overarching plan for your life, and that's what's going to happen. Ultimately, it doesn't mean that you were sinful in making your plans. It doesn't mean that you were wrong in making your goals. It doesn't mean you had bad motives. Maybe you did. But on the whole of things, God's plan for your life is going to be carried out the way he wants it carried out in the midst of all your sin and junk. And he's going to carry it out, as we say often in this church, he's going to carry it out for for your good. And for his glory. This morning, we're going to do something I don't think I've ever done before. We're going to have a whole sermon on travel plans. So when someone asks you what the sermon was about, you just go ahead and tell them it was about travel plans. I told my daughter in the car this morning, she said, what are you preaching on? I said, I'm preaching on travel plans. She said, is it going to be boring? (laughs) Oh, honey, are daddy's sermons ever boring? Come on. (laughs) What we're going to look at this morning is the travel plans of the Apostle Paul. And what we're going to see that his travel plans... Have to do with his life plans. And we're going to see his visions and his goals, and we're going to see God moving and putting them here and there, and his plans probably not working out the way he wanted, and God's doing this, and Paul's trying to do this. And so we're going to see his travel plans. And we're going to see this journey of Paul. And what we're going to have for us this morning is some very practical takeaways. I mean, it's really cool what we're going to see this morning. We're going to look, if you want to go ahead and turn there, at Romans 15, 22 through 33. This is part of the reason why we preach through books of the Bible, is there's passages we would never preach on unless we were going through books of the Bible. This is probably one of them. You maybe have never heard a message before on travel plans from Romans 15, 22 through 33. Now, let's keep it really simple. This is, I, I think this is going to be really cool.
1: He is in
0: Corinth. Corinth, when he writes this letter to Rome. And we're going to look at three different places that he intends to go. So we're going to break down this message into three parts. We're going to look at his plans to go to Rome, his plans to go to Jerusalem, and his plans to go to Spain. And as we're looking at each place he plans to go... We're going to have two takeaways from each place, from his plans on Rome, Jerusalem, and Spain, two takeaways from each place. Now, these takeaways are are principles or commands that you will find in other parts of the Bible, but in here, they're not principles and commands. They're just his life. And so I'm going to ask you to take one of these six takeaways, not all six of them. It's going to overwhelm you. Just pick one that you go, I need that right now. All right? So we're going to look at three places on his journey. This is really, I mean, this this is going to be good. So let's jump in and consider Rome. Romans 15, start with verse 22. Look what he says. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions... And since I have longed for many years to come to you. right, let's stop. Paul's in Corinth, writing this letter, and he says, okay, I'm going to come to you in Rome now. I've been hindered for many years because I've, I've been doing this pioneering missionary work, which means he's been going to people who've never heard about Jesus. He's been preaching the gospel, this good news of Jesus, that you can be saved through faith in Christ. He's been preaching that to those who have never heard. And he's been doing it in this vast region from all the way from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, this 1,400 miles. But now he's saying, it's done. <laughs> Don't you love that? Remember we talked about it last week? It's done. It's not that every person in the region has heard the gospel, but the churches have been planted, and this gospel preaching will now be carried on in Paul's uh, absence. And now he's wanting to move on and preach in those regions who've never heard the gospel. So he's in Corinth. Now get this. He's going to use Rome as a pit stop along the way. And Paul's ultimate aim is not Rome. It is Spain. And he was hoping to utilize the church in Rome to help him as he journeys on the way to Spain. Look at verse 24. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you. Once I have enjoyed your company for a while. So he wants to go through Rome on to Spain, and he looks forward to the fellowship in Rome. Look at verse 32. Jump down there. He says, So that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. So Paul's been doing this missionary work. He's been working hard in Corinth and these regions, and he's hoping to come to Rome. And one of the primary reasons why he wants to come to Rome is he wants to be refreshed in the company of the believers. So he's looking for a little R and R. And what he doesn't want to do, he doesn't want to get away from it all. But he wants to start engaging with unbelievers. I mean, with with believers, so that he can be refreshed. So here's the first takeaway. The first takeaway, and I want to kind of ask it to you like this, do you view Christian fellowship as something that's going to refresh you and give you, I don't know, happiness? So after working a long week at work, I just want to be totally honest with you, okay? You work a long week at work, would you rather just sit in front of the TV, sit in front of the computer, and binge watch some show... Or would you rather be in Christian fellowship? Don't lie to me. Don't be lying to me now. God knows, right? So if you binge watch a show, I I guarantee you, you will have temporary relief. You probably will. You'll be relaxed. But if you choose Christian fellowship, there's something that's an enduring quality of joy there an enduring quality of being refreshed. And I just want to tell you, as, as a pastor, I preach on Sunday mornings, and in the fall, we're going to move to two uh, Sunday mornings. And after preaching on Sundays, and often we have afternoon activities, uh, I am tired and I am worn out by Sunday night. But for the last 10 years, my wife and I have hosted uh, an ethos committee, a small group. And, and I just want I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to offend people who've been in my small group uh, over the years, but sometimes I just don't want you to come over, all right? <laughs> I love you, but don't come over, okay? You know, and, and the, the thing is, is that I, I, I'm just, I'm really being really honest here, right? Uh, there's a football game that comes on, on Sunday. It's called the second NFL game. You know that? I have never watched the second half. Never. Don't you feel sorry for me? Because that's right when our ethos community starts right then. And yet, never fails. Every time when they come over and we engage in fellowship and we engage in the word, I'm telling you, there is something that is refreshing. There is an enduring joy. I cannot explain it. All I can say is God must have set it up that way. And I want to speak prophetic to you right now. And I will claim this is prophetic. So here you go. Write it down. You are never in a season of your life where you are exempt from fellowship. You are never in a season of your life where you are exempt from fellowship. I've heard every stupid excuse. And that's what they are. You need the body of Christ and to be in fellowship, to be in accountability, have people love you, you love other people. There's something about that is enduring, that is, that is refreshing, and the Bible says, do not forsake that. And here's Paul working, working like crazy. And he says, I can't wait to get with you and I'm going to be refreshed in your presence. My brothers and sisters, these ethos communities we have, these are not optional, little fun, little programs. This is life. Get in one. Paul continues. He says, I'm going to get there. I'm going to be refreshed. But also, one of his motives for also going to Rome is that he wants their support. He is going to journey to Spain And the church in Rome, he wants to use it as his launching point to Spain. So as he gets to Rome, he's going to be very clear with them. I want your financial resources. I want your people resources. Some translators can come with him. He wants to take some ministry associates with him. He is hoping to use Rome as his launching point for Spain. And so you know what many call Romans? Many call Romans a missionary support letter. No joke. Romans is a missionary support letter at the core. Missionaries, please do not write your letter this long. All right? Keep it shorter. You're not Paul. It's okay. But that's what he wants. He wants their support. And as we have had missionaries come back to us this summer remember when they come here and we love on them we support them and we refresh them and we say now get out of here go back go back and we this this church is amazing there's so many missionaries in in this church it's almost like like a a, a fruit tree that bears fruit right we have so much fruit in this church of a lot of missionaries everywhere you're like well i've I've never met a missionary well just look around they're all over in this church Uh, this past week in 24 hour period i met with three missionaries just like that, one's going to Africa, one's going to the Middle East, one's going to Germany, and those missionaries that we're sending out, they need your support. We're the launching point, and they need our support. So, that's, so let's do the two takeaways from Rome, all right? The two takeaways from Rome are the importance of refreshing fellowship and supporting God's work, all right? So that we're, doing, we're, we're good so far, okay? Let's move on to Jerusalem, This one's, let's let's just go. This is really good. Look at verse 25. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. Okay, okay. Before Paul goes to Rome, he says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to take some money to the saints in Jerusalem. Remember, he's in Corinth. And the reason why he's going to take this offering, because there are those in the Jerusalem church, mainly the whole church, who are poor. They're mainly Jewish, and they're poor. They converted to Christ, and maybe they lost their jobs. There was a famine there that really hit hard for a lot of them. Their networks of friends are being cut off. And so what is happening? The Gentile church has been stirred up, takes an offering, and Paul is going to take this offering to Jerusalem. Look at verse 26. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. So we have these churches in the regions of Macedonia and Achaia, and it says they were pleased to make some contribution. For the poor. So you have these Gentile churches, they are sharing in the spiritual blessings of the Jews. The Jews have had their ancestors, and Jesus was a Jew, and so they got converted. So the least they can do is to give the Jews who are poor money. The Jews that believe in Jesus give them money to support the church and, and to contribute to their needs. So I love it that it says two times, I don't know if you noticed it. It says they were pleased to make a contribution and they were pleased to take up this contribution. They were pleased to do it. They saw believers in financial need and hardships and, and they jumped in to help. So the first takeaway from Jerusalem has to do with being eager to give to those who are suffering those who are poor. I just think about the, the crisis that's happening with believers in Iraq and you how many are rallied to take up finances and to pray for them. I think about believers who are suffering around the world and even locally who come to times of hardship and many of you just rally and you take up uh, a collection among yourselves and to give to those who are poor. So there's a certain amount of joy in helping others out and may this generous spirit of the Gentiles flow in among us as we continue to, to give money to those who are suffering. So that's the first takeaway from Jerusalem. Now, for the rest of the sermon here, as we move into the last three takeaways, it's going to get pretty, pretty, pretty serious, pretty deep, and it's going to connect with some of you on an emotional level that that may have not happened before. So I want you to really listen to the last three takeaways as we finish up Jerusalem and move on to Spain. I want you to look at something here. The second takeaway is that Paul's vision is is interrupted. All right, are you with me? Paul is saying, "All right, I'm going to come see you soon in Rome. I can't wait to be there. I'm so pumped to see you and be refreshed. And as soon as he says that, he goes the opposite direction to Jerusalem. Did you catch that? He's in Corinth. I can't wait to see you. And then he goes the opposite direction to Jerusalem. Well, why, why do you do that? Because he is going to take up an offering, and delivered that offering there. Well, you think? Well, Paul, don't you have some courier or something? Can't you find someone else to take the offering to the saints in Jerusalem? Well, why do you have to do it? You're the apostle Paul. Just send somebody else to do it. And Paul's like, no, no, no. This is important. There is this division between the Jew and the Gentile Christian church And Paul wants to bring healing. And he thinks it's important for him as a Jew with a mission to the Gentiles to take the offering from the Gentile church all the way and give it to the Jewish church that is suffering in Jerusalem. Paul thought it was that important for him to say, I want to go to Spain. I can't wait to see you in Rome. But right now, I'm going to go the opposite direction to Jerusalem. I'm just wondering what's going on here that Paul is willing to put his main vision on hold and take care of a very important matter. He's putting his main vision on hold and take care of a very important matter. And I don't know about you, but when my main vision and goal gets interrupted, I don't, I don't handle things so well when something else needs my attention. And there are a lot of you that you have a goal and a vision and you're ready to go and then something comes up that interrupts that. and that, Does that not just drive you nuts? It's like, God, I thought you called me to go do this. And if you want me to do that, then why is this responsibility that I need to attend to coming up right now? That's not part of the plan. You want me to go there, fulfill my dreams that you've given me, my goals you give me, and then I have to attend to this thing. I just think about my 20s. I've told many of you this story before, and and some of you, most of you are new, so you never heard this, but I I went to seminary like right out of college. Like I started seminary at 22, and um, I was ready to preach the word. I was ready to go, but my seminary years were were interrupted, and it wasn't part of my plan. Uh, God decided in his plan that he wanted me, this punk, just got saved, 22 year old messed up dude he wanted me to take care of my grandmother there was no one else around no other family was going to step up and he wanted me to figure out how to feed her clean her take care of her give her her medicine make sure she got to the doctor Make sure she got to her bed, she got over here to the bathroom to take care for me. No, God, I am planning to be a preacher and to preach your weird. I don't know what's up with this thing here. So it was a, it was a massive interruption. Now, of course, I didn't, I didn't stop going to seminary, but my, my mind and my heart was just, I was just, what is going on? But I think what God was doing, I know, I know now, looking back, he was doing something good for my grandmother um, he was doing something good for me <laughs> says, you want to take care of people? Oh, you can take care right here and he was doing something for his, his glory so I had this plan and it was and it was interrupted and, and so I, I, as I was thinking about this I thought, oh, I've got to tell you something so this is I, I'm not, I don't like to speak in prophetic terms but in this sermon I'm going to say two prophetic things you can take them the way you want but here's the second prophetic thing I want to say to you let me go and put it up you are not missing your big break. Some of you may think, I have a plan. It's interrupted. Uh, I've missed my big break. I mean, i have taken care of my grandma, I'm like, man, how am I ever going to go preach? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've missed my big break. And now that I, I look back on it, it's easier to see many years later is that... Um, when these interruptions happen in your life, they are God's big break for you. <laughs> They're part of the deal because He's got a plan. He says, okay, here's the big break right here. <laughs> so we have these two takeaways in Jerusalem. We've got cheerful giving, and we've got to remain faithful in the midst of this interrupted vision. Keep being faithful. And so the last place he wanted to travel to was Spain. Oh, this is really good. Who knew travel plans if it could be so good? Look at verse 28. When, therefore, I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. So Paul, he wants to go to Rome and launch his Spanish mission. It's his plan it's his goal to leave Jerusalem and come to Rome in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now I'm going to tell you some good news. Paul ended up going to Jerusalem and wow, he got to go to Rome. Isn't that awesome? He got to go there. But if any of you have ever read the book of Acts, the, the way he got there was through a lot of trouble And I think Paul hinted at this trouble in the book of Romans. Look at verse 30. He knows problems are coming. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. So Paul, he's in Corinth. He knows that someone's out to get him. And he was right. He was right. He wants to be protected. He said, God, protect me. And 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 this is what happened, okay? So here's the story. I I told my kids a story last night, and and one of them thought it was really cool. So here's the story, all right? So he goes to Jerusalem, and so he shows up in Jerusalem, and he's assaulted. And he's almost killed. And now there's a plot to take his life. And in the midst of all that, he's arrested. And when he's arrested, he says, look, man, don't be punishing me. I'm a Roman citizen. So he appeals to Rome. And so they put him on, I guess, a ship, and they start sending him off to Rome. And as he's going there, the ship he's on is shipwrecked. Barely survives, reaches an island. You think things are calming down. Paul's out there collecting some wood, and this viper uh, attaches to his arm and apparently bites him, and everybody's like, dude, you're going to die. He doesn't die. He eventually gets back on another ship, and he ends up in Rome. Uh, Do you think he planned that? He's like, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and then all this crazy stuff's going to happen, but I'm going to end up in Rome. No, no, no. I'm sure he planned none of that. But he eventually got to where he wanted to be. And it made me think, man, some of you, you have a vision because God has called you to a certain place, a certain vocation, a certain vision of what you want to do with your life. But chances are... Getting there is probably going to be rough. It's probably going to be really rough. You may have this big vision, but maybe you're not anticipating all the trials you'll need to arrive. And then I I told you earlier that my vision was to preach... And I thought, I didn't anticipate this interruption of my grandma. And so I finally finished seminary. And I said, well, I finished seminary. I'm in Dallas. But I got called to this church in Los Angeles. Grandma, you're with me. Uh, let's go. Let's go. So we moved. My wife and I took my grandma. We moved to California. And I'm finally, finally... Finally, get to preach the word. My my dreams and goals and visions—they're being realized. I got my calling in life. Wow! I finally get to do it. And, and after six and a half years in California, my church closed. It's awesome. I, have, I mean, I mean, have you ever lost your job before? I mean, it is not cool. I mean, can you imagine I mean, to to be, to be a preacher? For whatever reason, I went to, you know, the four years of college thing and then the four years of seminary thing and then I got to realize my my dream and goal and then to lose your job. And I'm like, what is going on? Eight years of visioning and dreaming, I finally get to do it and I'm done. And by God's grace, I stumble here by His grace. Uh, at the age of 32, but I would say from the ages of 22 and 32, we're not all that fun. And I think what tends to happen as you journey toward this calling that God has you on, it's, it's going to be rough at times and it's going to be hard. And things aren't going to work out the way you want. And then when you finally think that, okay, now now I've arrived. Now it's going to be this smooth sailing. No, 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 no. It's probably still going to be rough. And and it it made me think, don't you think that um, one way that you can tell you're on the right road is that it's really, really hard? Like if it's really easy, you're probably doing the wrong thing, right? I mean, there seems to be something about seeking God, pressing forward, and it's just hard. So Paul... He finally arrives in Rome. After all that drama, he's there. But if you remember, that's not his main goal. His main goal is to get to Rome, be refreshed, get all the support, and then he wants to be launched to his main goal. He wants to go to, I guess, the the Western front of the Roman Empire he wants to spread the gospel in, in this area on his Spanish mission that's his pioneering where he's he's ready to go and so here here's the question uh, EBF did he make it did he get to do it so, some scholars say no he did not it's debatable. Some say yes, he did, and they're not—they're not—they're not quite sure it, it, he might not have ever made it at all. I think it's important in life to have uh, dreams and visions. If I sat you down today, could could you tell me your Spain? Like, what is your Spain? Like, what's, what's this vision or dream that God has given you that he wants you to do? Or you just feel this sense that it's this vocation or this calling, however you want to do it, or however you want to view it with your family or in your life. Like, what is your Spain? Like, where you want to make a dent in the world for God. You feel strong. God really wants me to do this. This is my, this is my dent. This is going to be my legacy. This is what he wants me to do. But what if you don't ever make it? What if you, it never happens? What if all these dreams and visions fall to nothing? What happens then? Kent Hughes offers these encouraging words. I'm going to read this to you, and I think it's encouraging. I know it's a little long, I'm going to read it slow. He says, God is not so much interested in whether we reach our destination as in how we get there. To us, arrival is everything. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) To us, arrival is everything. But to God, the journey is most important. For it is in the journey that we are perfected, and it is in the hardships that he is glorified. As we trusted him. If Paul was killed in Rome and never made it to Spain, do you think that God was mad at him or upset at him? No way. You see, the way Paul lived his life, he had plans, he had goals, but he kept his eyes on Jesus. We are told from the book of Philippians, in Philippians 3.14, Paul says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You and I may never reach our Spain, where this calling we have, it may be changing throughout our lives. We may never get these dreams and visions we have, but the point is to keep our eyes on Jesus and live a life that pleases him through all the, the failures, the interruptions, the lost jobs, the broken relationships, the unfulfilled dreams, to continue to keep our eyes on Jesus. I'm going to go ahead and put all six of them. Let me just go ahead and put all six up to you, a little review here, and I want you to pick one. Please, just pick one little takeaway here from Paul's journey that you need to just think about, live out, try to incorporate into your life. Maybe, maybe it's the idea of refreshing fellowship. For too long, you've neglected gathering with other believers. You've not been connecting with other people. You've been out of the loop, so to speak. Or maybe you've been exempting yourself, saying that there's a time in your life where you can't be in fellowship. Hey, maybe it's time to, to get back into fellowship That's you. And that needs to be your takeaway to jump in an ethos here. Or maybe you need to jump into supporting God's work. You see missionaries. We, we had the whole stage filled two months ago with missionaries. There's opportunities to support missionaries in our church through money, through prayer, through, through emotional support. Maybe that's where God's calling you right now. Or maybe it's cheerful giving. You know those around you who are suffering financially. You need to step out, meet a need. You know what's going on. You need to step out financially with food or support and meet that need. Or maybe you just need to continue to be faithful in the midst of interruptions. You have these interruptions that you didn't plan in life and yet they're not really interruptions. Maybe to you, but not to God. And you need to be faithful and attend to those important things. Whatever they are, they're probably people, attend to those important matters. And there are some of you that just need to keep pressing on in this vision that you have. You've had a vision. Some of you had it for 10, 15 years. Some of you had it for 20 years. And it is just hard right now. And you're wondering if you can keep going. Maybe you just need to keep going through the suffering and keep pressing forward. And all of us obviously need to have a heart locked in on Jesus for those dreams that fail, those visions that never get realized, those things that did not work out the way we want it, that we keep our eyes on Jesus. Because just remember, my brothers and sisters, you have a plan, but God has this huge, overarching plan that, it, believe it or not, is really for, all for your good and all for his glory. Let's pray. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are going through a particularly hard time right now. It's uh, maybe a a death of a dream or a vision that they had in place, and maybe it was their own sin, their own foolishness. Maybe it's something they didn't anticipate. I just ask you to encourage them that you are still with them, if not, miss their big break. They're living out your purposes and I just ask that you would encourage them today. If they need to confess sin, if it was their own foolishness that has brought them to this point, may they confess sin and receive forgiveness in the gospel. And for my brothers and sisters here today who are in a very hard relationship with their kids or their spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, with their parents, there's uh, something that's just off. Off. It's definitely an interruption. I just ask that they would persevere. They would look to you. They would continue in faithfulness and love. And lastly, Lord, for all of us, that we would not forget that you've called us to Christ Jesus. Our goal is to worship him, to serve him. Dreams are no dreams, that our heavenly call is Jesus. And we want to keep our eyes fixed on him and him alone. And it's his name we pray. Amen.